People of the world, welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language. This the 277th episode. We're going to be talking with Darren Dawson today. He is the founder of BombBomb, an incredible software company. He's got all kinds of information you're going to want to hear. Um, backstage, we were chatting about the ivory tower of folks in California that sort of manipulate who gets the money and who doesn't in software. And Darren shared with me that he wouldn't want to necessarily be starting a software company right now because things have changed. He started his back in 2006. So if you are anywhere in the software space or just an entrepreneur in general, you are going to want to stick around for this interview. I guarantee you it's going to be a good one. Just in time for the social media news of today, we're starting out with foxbusiness.com. All links to all articles right there in the description. Facebook. <gasps> whistleblower turned down $64,000 of severance that would have bought her silence. Now, 64 G's, eh, it's a decent uh, chunk of change there. Former Facebook data scientist turned down, um, excuse me, turned whistleblower. Sophia Jung, who was fired from the social media giant last year, turned down 64 G's, according to a new report. In a rare interview with MIT, an independent publication owned by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Jung revealed new details about trading her career for her beliefs to expose allegations of worldwide political manipulation. No big deal, just worldwide political manipulation. Quote, I was the only one in this position of responsibility from the start, she told the magazine, and someone had to take the responsibility and do the utmost to protect people. Quote, everyone agreed that it was terrible, she told the publication. No one could agree who should be responsible or even what should be done. In an explosive memo first reported by BuzzFeed News in September 2020, she claimed that world leaders used fake accounts for political gain as Facebook looked away, allegedly misleading their own citizens and drowning out critics. This is not surprising to me in the least. If you are in the political space, uh, you may have a team of marketers and maybe you know and maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, it is all about the votes. It's all about, oh, are we going to win New Hampshire? And if X, Y, Z number of bots and God knows where is going to get you the algorithmic love that you need to make this particular district flip in your favor, well, then I can imagine many politicians doing exactly that. And I don't know if you followed some of the politics of um, other nations like Saddam Hussein and the crazy that he used to pull. Um, a lot of folks are willing to do things that you and I are simply not willing to do. Next article, CNBC.com. Early Google exec got Larry Page's backing to build a startup factory focused, focused on saving the planet. David Friedberg worked at Google from 2004 to 2006 and then started Climate Corporation, which he later sold to Monsanto for a billion dollars. He's since been investing in startups. Larry Page was an early backer. And he just raised $300 million from investors, including Alphabet, et cetera. So a startup factory focused on saving the planet. How will he do it? He's spending a bulk of his time on a project he started four years ago with Larry Page, da, 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 after leaving Monsanto, blah, blah, blah. Here, I'll tell you this. It says no shortage of problems. Okay, so he's going to tackle the world's problems. If you are not familiar with Acasia, E-C-O-S-I-A, Dot com. It is a search engine that plants trees. They use the Bing search engine. I recommend you check them out. That's something you can do, listener, to help save the planet. Final article, Google becomes latest tech firm to delay reopening as Delta variant spreads. I think these guys are going to find, well, look, we can argue about whether they should open or not open, but you all know that I'm a huge proponent of work from home. 
the fact that people are uh, companies like Google and Facebook are trying to drive people back to their offices to me is ridiculous. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest on the show today, as I mentioned before, is absolutely incredible. He is in the mountains. He's not in Denver, but he's close and he has officially achieved enlightenment. Do you want to hear from someone who is completely enlightened? Well, you're about to, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the one, the only, Darren Dawson. That is the the most unique introduction I've ever had. That was great. Thank you. Let's go. I hope I've achieved enlightenment. We'll see. We'll see. That's right. It's uh, completely, you know, just uh, what's Nirvana like? Let's start with that question. <laughs> is it nice? No, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the question on everyone's minds, because it's in the thumbnail, is how to start a successful software company. As we chatted about backstage, you weren't so sure you would want to nowadays. Why is that? Yeah, I think um, we started this in 2006. It was great. It was before, you know, we're a video kind of platform. It was before the iPhone had a camera in it. Uh, people couldn't go to college and get a degree in entrepreneurship. The SaaS wasn't a term that was used. Google or YouTube rather was a privately held company at the time. So it was a different time. We forget about how different it was. I was transitioning from a flip phone to my first iPhone, right? So we, we, we got going in that time and um, we, we actually started the business and, and um, got going without raising what I would say, um, real capital. We did friends and family. Friends and family, including ourselves, participated in a financial raise, but uh, never any kind of institutional money that came into BombBomb. Bomb. Um, I think that's tougher to do now. I think that the, the stakes are higher um, and they're made that way and that you need to raise money. I mean, everything's more expensive to do things these days. And you're competing more than ever um, on, on people, retaining people, acquiring people, acquiring customers, it's more expensive. The cost to uh, buy sponsorships at events is more expensive. And I just think that there's this table stakes level that's been raised uh, through venture capital, private equity groups that you know they've invested this money and it's being spent, right? And so it just, it just makes it more expensive to start a SaaS company, I think these days. And um, I've been pondering this, why I told you I've been pondering this for a while now. If it's possible in 2021 to do what we did, how we did it. And because, um, you know, I hang out with a lot of folks that are trying to do it and uh, trying to give them good advice. And sometimes what you did won't work anymore. And you got to be brave enough to be like, no, you shouldn't. If I was to tell them, no, you shouldn't do this. Well, why C can they if they don't? Right. I think those are some of the questions I've been wrestling with as a now an older entrepreneur, I guess, 10 years in. Honesty is where it's at. Um, I think at the end of the day, if you are willing to be honest in the face of feeling like people are going to judge you, you will find that this is the path. It has always the, been the path. And uh, in the end, do you want to be a millionaire that's afraid that someone's going to kill them because you lied to countless people? No, you do not. Because all of those floor to ceiling windows are just places through which people can shoot you. Um, so it's not to say that money is the goal at the end of our lives. No, of course, there's something uh, greater than that. And so I feel similarly, I made my money um, through BNI, which my chapter is a shadow of what it used to be. BNI, of course, is a networking group. Um, we went online. I couldn't. There's no chance in a freezing hell that I could do what I did only six years ago. 
um, because the pandemic has completely changed the game. Um, and so I appreciate that. And I think that listeners appreciate that too. You may not have all the answers to how exactly they should go about it, but that's just honesty. Yeah, hundred percent. The one thing I do know for sure that is that I do not have all of the answers. I have a life experience I like to share with people, but all the answers I don't have. <laughs> So you have a team. Let's talk about the size of your team. Let's talk about your product um, and give us a sense of some of the problems that you're solving. Yeah, our team is about 140 folks. I got 16 open jobs right now. If you're looking to work for a great company in Colorado, check us out. Um, but we've grown that over the years. My executive team is 12 people. That's where I spend most of my time is um, trying to solve hard problems in the business with them. And I love it. I love my team. I'm lucky that the average tenure of that team is about five years. So um, been with me a long time, some of them seven, some of them eight. So I actually have one friend that jumped ship with me when I quit my day job, he came with me. So he's been with us for 10 years. He's our uh, chief evangelist, Ethan Butte, and he's written two books for us. So he's a great, great person. I, my team is my favorite thing about the business. I think um, it's so critical when you're starting something to, to put people in positions, especially where you know you have deficits. So if you you know you have a weakness, and by the way, if you don't think you do any or you don't have any, you need to find them and then place people that uh, have strengths where you have weaknesses and vice versa. And that's what we try to do at Bomb Bomb. I think we did it pretty good. And so those are people I get to hang out with most of the time. And um, what do we do? We're a video messaging platform. We enable you to send personal vis video messages to the people that matter most. That could be customers, that could be potential customers, that could be family members, that could be internal communication in your business. So um, I believe personally that human beings have intrinsic value, that we're unique, and that this whole uh, uh, text, uh, email, uh, social media thing has not been a around as long as humans speaking face-to-face -face has. And I think we're throwing a little bit of the baby out with the bathwater right now where I call it uh, digital pollution. It's like a nuclear proliferation of stuff flying at us. The pandemic made it far worse where the answer to the sales problem is send more stuff, send more at me, send more in my inbox and more into my phones and more into my LinkedIn, whatever messaging platform I have, you're in there trying to get me to do something with text and we're losing humanness now. And so, what we're trying to do is bring back what we call human-centered communication. People building trust, know, like, and trust, building empathy, building gratitude with each other, building relationships. And if we would like to do business together, I'm sure this is how you've done it. If you're in B&I is how you built your business. You did not do that sending a assault of text messages until they did something you wanted them to do. And so to me, this is an epidemic problem that we want to solve. I simply want to put people in face to face to face with more people more often. Okay. That's my goal. And um, while I'm doing that, I want to help you understand that this digital transformation isn't so scary. Uh, there's things that you can do for your business and the people that work in it to put your people in front of your customers. Right. And I believe that that's what wins now. I think, I don't know what you think about this, but to me, if you, had, you have two businesses and they're very alike, so we have a software company and we have competitors. Our features are very similar to those competitors, right? They're very similar. And if, and if I have a feature that they don't have or vice versa, all it takes is time and money and I can build that. 
because I have developers and they have developers, right? So what actually makes you different? And, and any business owner I have asked this, they would say, well, my people, my people are the difference. Well, then why are you hiding them? Hiding them behind text. You're controlling every move they make with every action, with automation. And we're holding back people, talking to people. And I want to change that. I want to make that different. I want your people in front of the customer. I want, I want that to be your differentiator because you would tell me it is that my people are make me different. Well, then put them in, in play, right? I think we're worried about that, honestly. I think people get, well, I don't really want Jim to be on camera. <laughs> well, let me help Jim. Let us help Jim get him in a place where he can communicate better face-to-face with people, okay? I think we're taking the sales skill and people skill out of the equation. I think that's dangerous. I think there's going to be a flight back to it, to the face, face-to-face communication again. So there's a lot there. It's like, I'll get off my soapbox, a little bit of a manifesto, but I'm passionate about it, as you can tell. That's the business owner, guys. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes and Spotify, after the fact, you know we love you. YouTube.com, forward slash Senate Rising, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for the live show. So, Darren, uh, it is not surprising to me that you're a business owner. One of the reasons why I'm trying to grow this beard out is so that I appear more wise and spiritual. Um, and so I see a connection between um, spirituality. I know it's a loaded term. Please don't you know throw me over the bridge for even mentioning it. Um, and business, right? Which is to say you have uh, something deep in your heart that is the driving force, which is, look, it's depressing to flip through an inbox and just one Expedia hotel promotion. Oh, here comes just random person who wants to sell me this thing. And, and that text um, inundation is, is so just like, oh, like nobody actually cares about me. Everyone just wants my money. They'll be nice to me if they want my money, right? And if I'm trying to sell them, they're going to be all arms crossed. And like, and it's all, you know what I mean? Like, and this is the world we live in because this is the, the system that we've built and it's functional for, you know, the time in which we live it. Um, so I'm already envisioning, just based on what you're saying, um, sending out videos with our reporting, right? So, which is something I had never even thought of until you got on your soapbox, does that make sense? It does. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that that you you did this and you've got over a hundred employees. I mean, guys, gals, seriously, seriously, seriously. Do you have any idea how hard that is? Do you have any idea how hard it still is? Oh my goodness, that is. I mean, by all accounts, and look, I know you get sad, and I know you have negative thoughts. You're human. Your body hurts. You have all of the things that go into being, you know what I mean? All your relationships. It's not as if getting to that point, you know, like solves your problems, right? And, and, and you're about to tell me how it creates more problems. Um, but just take a moment, and listeners take a moment to just really let that sink in. Um, you have 140x people whose salaries whose babies, you know, like formula dollars are funneling through this thing that, that you built um, with the help, obviously, of those people. hundred percent. I mean, you, you said it very well. I think these people, some of them, again, in the greater team been with us seven to 10 years. That's crazy to me that they had stick with this idea this long, but getting back to it, I think you mentioned spirituality. I think, the why people work at a place is as important as maybe the the work they do. 
Uh, I'm going to get to it. So we started Bomb Bomb because we wanted, we had a friend of ours who lives in Africa. Uh, he shows up. It's a longer story than I'll get into, but basically trying to start a school. He had a feeding station where he's feeding kids uh, that were living in a slum. And we were like, man, we need to, how do we help Richard? We want to help him. We want to help uh, these people who are dehumanized. And I think what dehumanized means is if you can't get school and you can't get water, you can't eat every day and you don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're dehumanized. So we want to help this guy. Uh, we should start it. We were always entrepreneurial, Connor and I, my business partner, always entrepreneurial, always had different business we were going. But we, when we thought about this idea, we're like, this is the one. This could sustain that community for a long time. We wanted to make enough to make $10,000 a month so that Connor could go live in Africa full time. That was the goal. We quickly realized that Bomb Bomb had a greater purpose than that. It could actually sustain far more than just Connor doing that. So now I'm happy to tell you that Richard has a K through 12 school for women and boys and girls. They're, they're sending them to university. There's micro businesses being developed in this community in Kenya. Um, we started a hair salon, a tilapia farm. We're planting corn. We're doing things. This is what I want to be about. This is the, you're, you were right too. It's not about making money. It shouldn't be anyway. I mean, it's a byproduct of the purpose. So I get to tell the story to people who work at Bamba, and I think that's why they work there longer. I don't have you know my attrition has not been until post COVID, where the great resignation. I think everyone's dealing with, but for a long time. And a lot of those people, we have a core group of about 40 folks who have been there a very long time. And that institutional knowledge and ability has helped our business, right? Because the attrition, the people is the hardest thing if you can keep people. But why will they work for you? Why will they pick up the phone? Will they make a sales call? Why would they answer the 100th customer success or support call, right? Why will they grind it out? I think there's got to be a purpose to the business that is more than money, than just executing capital for people, other people. I think, I think that's a, a dynamic that I'm proud to have at BombBomb. And I think that's why I have people as long as I do. Yeah. Um, when we sit as a human being or stand or walk or talk, uh, thoughts enter into our minds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had a thought. Um, but uh, we sit there and then thought enters the mind many of them are negative. Uh, we either react viscerally to those thoughts and <clears throat> to make it through this particular incarnation is, is just such a ride. It is such a ride and it's a, it's a ride for everyone. And it, it can be brutal at times, um, and, but it's, it's painfully beautiful. And that's true for all of us because we are all one. We're all interconnected from the person in Kenya um, all the way to the 7,000 altitude, you know, small town where you find yourself. <clears throat> and we all know this on, on some level and sort of like, okay, okay, fine. So you're sitting there taking the call because you're the customer service rep um, and they're saying something stupid. You know what I mean? It's the millionth time you've heard it and you're frustrated and your hip hurts and you got to pick up your kids at three and your cavity, you have the cavity and you just like everything, just life is hitting you. And then, and then just every now and then that thought arrives of like, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the school in Kenya, right. It's a reprieve. It is just a small little reprieve of like, ah, oh, but, but at least there's that. Right. At least, you know, like this call is somehow connected like, to that. Everyone wants to think that there's more to this. Right. 
there is, there can be, I think. And so we, I want, I want to help create some of that for you. If you work at bomb bomb that, what does that look like? I, and last week, so we, we actually donate time. We work at bomb bomb. You can go and you can go help people. So if you have a nonprofit locally that you support, you can go do that. This last week we had a team of maybe 20 folks packing backpacks. Uh, we, we did a, uh, a deal with a, it's called Carl Springs. I love you basically. And they were donating 10,000 backpacks to kids going to school. So we, you know, we sponsored it and, but then we sent people, I think it's one thing just to give the check. Frankly, that's easy. It's another thing to say, okay, we're going to let you not work today and go pack backpacks and then hand them out to kids next week. They get this whole, like kind of, they drive by and they get their backpack. It's awesome. And you know what? You feel good doing it. You might feel better doing that than you did answering the support calls and making whatever stuff you're doing. Our entire accounting department went down there. We're sending people from customer success by choice. They're like, yeah, I want to go do that. And so we try to create a culture of that, right? We, we have a problem of homelessness in our community. Everybody complains about it. I'm like, we can complain about it. We can go down there and feed those people. Let's go and feed these people. Let's go hang out. Let's hear their story. Like, give that person a hug. <laughs> How are you doing? You know, we need to, I want to encourage this in people, right? So as a business, I feel responsible. I can complain to my city council person that there's a homeless problem, or I can try and fix the homeless problem. So we support the Springs Rescue Mission. We go down there and feed people. They get to meet us. They can see a path out of their situation. Yes, it, you can get a job at Bomb Bomb if you can come in here and get your life straightened out. We would do that for you, right? So I want to be part of the pro- fixing the problem, not complaining about it. I think I have a responsibility as a business in my community to do that. But that's where we started. We started the business because we wanted to do something, make an impact in the universe, not be rich. I think you can be rich. You could. It's America. Like you can do it. Like, but why? You know, you gotta have a purpose. Or to me, to me, the money is always a byproduct of the purpose. Yeah, it's um again the uh, the connection between what you could refer to as spirituality and capitalism. To me, in the age of reviews um, and our ability to be big brother to one another. Now, you could look at the term, the Orwellian term, big brother, as overwhelmingly negative because it was in the book. Um, but uh, if you haven't read it, nineteen eighty four by George Orwell. Um, classic dystopian novel um this idea of of big brother uh let's flip it on its head so now everyone will tell everyone the good or the bad right and so the 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 word of mouth i mean i get it it's always been part of human culture it's just so powerful now with these little devices in our pockets and so you are doing cause marketing okay by by going and, and doing all of these things um and it doesn't sound to me like a savvy marketing plan when I hear you talk. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't sound like, oh, it's I'll, not meant know, to be. Yeah. It's that's not the sell product. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I think what we're going to do more and more as a culture, because now the proletariat, right, the common folks have all this power, um, is we're going to elevate people who have a core purpose that is in line with your way of thinking, which is, no, I'm responsible. I have 144 employees. I'm not poor. Okay. Um, I have been put in this position 
from the hard work of these incredible people that I, God, please stay with me because you mean the world to me. I feel the same way about my staff. I'm like, Oh Lord, thank God you are here. You know? Um, and you then are given this incredible privilege of going, you know what? I can actually do something about this homeless population in my community. I can actually do something about this school in Kenya. I mean, and, and that for those of you that have never been in a position like that is terrifying. Like, like we're getting like the Darren Dawson, yay, show version. But you also have to go to bed at night going like, can I do more? What can I be doing? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Exactly. So um, so hats off to you, sir, for, for knocking all that stuff off. Or knocking all that stuff out. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to get into your life story a little bit because I'm curious. And then when we have you on the show next time, we'll just pick up where we left off. So sure. let's go back. Let's go back um, to... I had a Buddhist on the show who actually started with her grandfather's story because he made it out of Nazi Germany. And had he not done that, he wouldn't be alive and she wouldn't be alive. So you can go even further back if you want, or you can start with you and where you were born. Yeah. So I, I, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father was an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur. Like I, I, I do think there's a, a DNA thing there. Um, more, more just about the surrounding, how you grew up and what was expected. I grew up on a farm. Which might be a hundred acre farm in in southern Michigan. My grandfather ran uh, grocery stores, and he ran a truck for Amico. Like he was born in 1900, so he he ran he drove a truck selling lamp fuel that he owned. So just lots of stuff. Always on the hustle. My dad he started uh, he sold TVs in the 50s. Sold enough TVs to. That's how he met my mom. She was a secretary. Classic. He, was, he graduated high school in 1956, and so my parents were older. My dad's gone now. And, and, and that business failed for him. He had a business partner that they got sideways and things didn't work out. But I always had that drive. I was always hustling, man. When I was a kid, like, grew up on the farm, so there was no, no working. It was always working, okay? So I was given a work ethic at a very young age that you have things to do. You don't just get to sit here and know you don't get paid to do them. It's a part of being the family. Two acres of garden to weed and deal with uh, you know, three and a half acres of yard to mow, the barn, the cows, the stuff. So then my dad actually sold the cows and I was sent to work on his buddy's farm. And it, you know, you might call that child labor. It, it was to make me a performant adult and it did, right? So um, bailing hay and 80, 90 degree weather, 100% humidity in Michigan, that was me. My buddies were in a boat that I skiing and stuff. So I, I cherish that. I do. I worry I can't give that to my children as much as I got it. And then, you know, from there, I was doing crazy stuff in high school. No one ever, I went to a very small Christian school. It was only 25 people I graduated with and I didn't really fit in. Okay. And let's just, and um, they, I was hustling all the time. I was selling homework books. Like, you know, the French teacher would, use this one book and they would use it again and again. I, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to sell that to whoever will buy it from me. Uh, she also made homework coupons. Mrs. Hosmer, if you're listening, I apologize, but she would make these homework coupons. It was on the mimeograph machine and I would just mass produce them. And I'd sell them. So this is just entrepreneurial, but no one ever, they were, I'm just a bad kid. I wasn't like, anybody wasn't ever saying to me like, you have, you know, you need to not do that, but you're an entrepreneur. I was not being told that. So then I went to college because I thought you had to go to college. 
did I didn't I went to the general ad college. I didn't graduate college. I never graduated college. Big secret out, which I don't care about telling people. But as my father told me, maybe school isn't for you. And he was 100% correct. Moved to Colorado, started a painting business, house painting business. We blew that up, did really well with that. And then this new crazy thing, online marketing was showing up. And we're like, what's this? We, we actually built a calculator for house painting. Okay. So you could go to our website and you could punch in the numbers and it would tell you about how much we would paint your house for. And then we ran ads and magazines that just said, get your free estimate right now, which is crazy. It's like, that's Zillow, right? Zillow, you want to know how much your house is worth? Go do it right now. So we created this instant, this was 1999. It was a .org website because we didn't know any better. So you could go there and you get your instant estimate and that worked. And we would just show up and we'd verify the estimate. And then I would sell you on why you needed to hire me to paint this house. And then we had, ended up having 50 painters. Okay. And then we started doing big buildings and all kinds of stuff. But we were foolish in those days. I went completely bankrupt from that business because I was spending every dollar I had and lost. Oh everything. no! Yeah, so we can pick it up there next time. But that that evolves into bomb bomb. So oh no, we're, you don't understand. You don't understand. So what you just did was the. This is my life in two minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, no no no. So we're gonna go all the way back. Um, okay. And okay. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start at about your first memory, and then we're gonna move into first grade, and then third grade, and we're it, trust me, it's it's okay. a whole it's a whole thing. Lots of um, I'm gonna give you lots of fodder to dive into there. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask one more thing before we close out the show, which was, did your father get to see you uh, be really successful? Was he there for that? He did to a point, not to this level, mm. you know, um, he did get to see, you know, I, I still live in the same house that I start, <laughs> I bought before I, I was a professional before I started Bob bomb Probably right. I had a real job you could say. So um, I was able to achieve some of these things, but not the, not the big stuff, I think where I was meeting crazy famous people and you know, this tech thing gets kind of nuts sometimes, but and I miss him for that, right? Like it's good. My mom has, my mom's here, my brother and stuff, but not my dad. So that is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the, the suffering is, it's a, we are long suffering as humans. Yeah. This is just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, to the extent that you think he's here with us now, shout out to your dad. Yeah. Shout out to dad. Um, ladies and gentlemen, marketing as a foreign language, youtube.com forward slash send rising. You know the drill. I want to make sure that Darren gets the final words of wisdom. What do you have to say to the good folks? Man, keep going. I think people quit too soon these days. You know, it gets hard. It's part of it. You got to keep going. I think about a lot that sometimes if I would have quit when I thought I should, I was, I was a, a foot away from the next right thing, right? I know it's hard, but that perseverance is a part of this. If you're, if it's your journey, entrepreneurship and perseverance are synonymous, synonymous in my opinion. Thank you, Darren.